Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to episode two of series two of Is This Place Haunted. I honestly think this week this place is, and we can discuss at the end, but I think I'm excited for this place to be haunted. I think a lot of these places are. By the way, are we calling it episode 22 or are we just saying episode two? Um episode two of season two but we can call it whatever <laughs> right that's fine we'll do it like that so welcome Let's do it like that how are you i'm good Lauren. how are you mm. good i'm excited to record this episode it was i'm excited of... too i'm excited to get back to it it was kind of burst out of like you know, when we're between Christmas and New Year, I was trying to think of things that people do at New Year. And I was at my dad's the other day there and they had said for Hogmanay, they're going to go up north to this like hill climbing thing. And then it got me, nice. thinking, it got me thinking about where do you stay when you do this type of thing? And they've clicked on the episode, they know it's in us. You know. So we'll just go right into it because we've already done a patron this week. So if anyone wants to go listen to our utter shite they can um <laughs> housewives chat this for week a mere three pounds a month you will have four episodes a month to listen to bargain that's and 75p an episode i know and by the way this week we talked about our boobs at length so if you want to talk you want to listen to us talking about our boobs for a good i think it was a good 15 minutes um tune in the, the perils of having big boobs you know the perils of having massive cans so yeah please please do subscribe <laughs> please do subscribe to our patreon yep. we'll do a lot of good content on there coming shortly patreon.com slash is it 
patreon.com slash <laughs> you are out of it <laughs> patreon.com slash is this place haunted third time lucky have you got your earpods back in again by the way uh-huh I don't trust you need to, honestly I don't trust the the, the <laughs> on those motherfuckers I I did. hold on Hold on, guys. Lauren is, Lauren is such a hater of my earphones. She hates them. It's because you sound like you're stuck in a wee box or something. Um, how's that? Any better? Slightly better. But you still... I'll work it out in the editing. Do you want me to take them out? No, keep them in. I know you're tired. Just keep them in. It's fine. I'm doing most of the talking. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> with that, let's get right into the episode. So, as I mentioned before, I was trying to think of doing a topic that would be, like, you know, interesting to some... Because we want to cover a bit more Scottish content this year, right? Because we didn't actually do a lot of Scottish stuff last year. And I know a lot of our listeners like that kind of thing because they're either from or they like Scotland or what ifs. Um, but, yeah, so we're going to try and cover... We did, that poll. We, did... We, did we do did the... that poll of what the listeners want. And they wanted Scottish shit. They also wanted history, which I thought was interesting. Um, so yeah. lots of that type of thing. So I love it. So basically, the inspiration for this week is, um, as I said, a lot of people in Scotland at this time of year tend to kind of go back to nature a little bit. And Scotland has such a beautiful landscape. A lot of people sort of spend time, you know, going walks, going up mountains, like all that kind of shit. I don't. <laughs> I plan to this year, but a lot of people do. I wish you luck with that if you do. <laughs> yeah. But I um speaking to my as I said, I was speaking to my dad about what he was doing for Hogmanay and he mentioned that he was going up north. And one of the things that he does quite often is when they go up, um, is they stay in a thing called a bothy. And that reminded me of a few stories that I'd heard from my dad about a particular bothy up north that people stay in. And I thought this was just a kind of like, oh, yeah, like word of mouth, like dad had just heard some stories from his friends or whatever. But it turns out like this is like a commonly known like place that's incredibly haunted that a lot of walkers stay in. So I'm going to cover oh that. God. Yeah. So speaking about bothies, so as I said before, so Scotland has some of the greatest hill walking experiences probably in the world. Um, we've got an incredible vast amount of mountain ranges, um, which are actually known as the, and we've got like little hills, we've got big hills, but the main sort of mountain ranges across Scotland are called the Munros. So we've got 282 Munros across Scotland. I've actually, I've actually gone up, I think maybe two or three of them. One recently, eighty. Did you say two hundred eighty-two? Um, wow. Massive range, and they're called the Munros. It's because these two brothers, however long ago, didn't research that bit. They kind of they claimed them all, so they named each mountain that they cut co- they covered a Munro. And so, that's why people go Munro bagging now. They go Munro bagging, and so um uh yeah, so from Ben Nevis to the Trossachs. Um, these are like huge from isolated massive peaks in the north to huge mass areas of the Cairngorms and there's a huge variety of both scenery and um, the challenge of walking across all these like stunning landscapes of Scotland for people to to sort of 
partake in. Um, as I said, there's 282 Munros across Scotland. The highest Munro is Ben Nevis, and it stands at 4,411 feet. That's 1,345 and miles, 1,000 miles. Fuck knows. I couldn't do the maths on that one. But it's massive, so 4,000 feet. Um, they are, and there are obviously lower ones. The second highest mountain in, in the UK is, um, I think it's the UK, not just Scotland, is Ben McDewey. And I don't know if we're going to cover this in the near future, but Ben McDewey is actually haunted as a mountain range or mountain path. By, I thought um, we were TBT to our first Sinister session. We had a story from our friend Adele. No, I can't. I don't think that was from Adele, but Andy, who does Spooky, Spooky Island, what is it called? Spooky Island Radio? Oh, yeah. He is that did, what it was? Yeah, he did an episode on Ben McDewey, which was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so if you want to go listen to that, guys, give you a little bit of um, history yeah, around the, what's described as the big grey man of Ben McDewey. Um, so it's been described as a big sort of ghosty thing or, um, I mean, oh, actually, no, I, it was also covered in one of our Sinister Sessions where I talked about um, that tape that I used to listen to, you know, the Richard O'Brien one? Yes, the ones you love. It was on that as well, and he talked about it, and it's about this, they think it's like either a Yeti or a big giant ghost man. Anyway, we'll do a, a detailed episode about it in the future, but... um. So, yeah, so basically I discussed earlier um, the Bothy. So let me tell you a little bit about what Bothies are. A Bothy is a basic shelter usually left unlocked and available for anyone to use free of charge. It was also a term for basic accommodation, usually for gardeners or other workers on an estate. Bothies are found in remote mountainous areas in the UK. So this covers, Bothies are found in not just Scotland, they're found in Wales, Northern Ireland and England as well. They are particularly common, though, in the Scottish Highlands. Um, but relate- related buildings can also be found around the world. Um, in Nordic countries, there are wilderness huts. So similar usage for there as well. A bothy um, was also a semi-legal drinking den in the Isle of Lewis. Now, I did have the name written down, but because it was in Gaelic, I basically couldn't pronounce it, so I removed it from my notes. Um, most bothies are ruined buildings. Love that. Yeah. Most bothies are ruined buildings, which have been restored to like a basic standard. Um, what they do is they provide a windproof and watertight shelter for those that are out walking in like more like desolate and remote areas when they are like going up hills and what have you. They vary in size from little more than large box up to two-story cottages. They usually have a designated sleeping areas, which commonly are either an upstairs room or a raised platform. So this allows people to sort of stay out of the way of like coldness because you're not going to be lying on the floor and things like that. In these places, there's never any bedding. So you're expected to take your sort of own sleeping bags and camping gear. There's never mattresses or blankets provided because it's basically just an an abandoned building. Um, Public access to these bothies are usually by foot or by bicycle or in some cases by boat. Um, most have old fireplaces to provide the bothy with heat um, and they'll normally be like a natural source of water nearby. Um, so basically these buildings are kind of like, I think they're maintained by like certain organisations and the sort of mountaineering clubs. And I think there is like a bothy association that goes around in like, obviously because they're old shacks, like you kind of need to like at least yeah. occasionally restore the roof and things like that. So they are really, really well 
mostly maintained in Scotland because of the for the purpose of like we have so many thousands of hill walkers that actually live in Scotland as well as like tourists and what have you that want to do it um international hill walkers they are very much commonly used <clears throat> now speaking to my dad and speaking to others who are into hill climbing quite a lot of these bothies are actually haunted one haunt, haunted bothy that I'm going to cover is the one that sits at the foot of Ben Alder. So at 8.5 miles from the nearest public road, you could say that Ben Alder Cottage is probably one of the most remote you'll find. It's located right at the very um, beginning of Ben Alder, which which where it takes its name from, with Loch Erich. By the way, I am Scottish and I've been Scottish for a thousand years, according to my DNA reports. Um, but I really can't pronounce some of these names. So I'm sorry to people that do Gaelic and get it. I am a lowlander at this point, so I don't know these things. So apologies. <clears throat> so it sits next to Loch Eyre. I can't hear you over the central belt. <laughs> yeah, we can't, I can't hear you over like all our like Nando's and whatever down here. <laughs> can't hear you over the electricity, babe. <laughs> yeah. So um, Loch Enrich stretches miles away from the east. Um, some of the eeriest tales of the Bothy come from a book um, by a man called Bill Murray. Not the famous actor of, of Ghostbusters, but some other guy called Bill Murray. Um, it's called Undiscovered. <laughs> he details a story um, told to him by his friend Sir Robert Grieve concerning a former officer in the Great World War who, when walking from Rannoch to Dalhwini, decided to stay overnight in Ben Alder Cottage, a time when it was inhabited by a stalker and his wife. During the night, he supposedly heard what seemed like footsteps in an adjacent room, and the next morning, the wife explained it was a semi-tamed stag, um, was basically, because a lot of these bothies, they t- like, because it's so far in, like, nature, like, Obviously, you're going to get animals that like scratch and stuff like that. And where that particular Ben Alder cottage is, there's a lot of like deer and shit kind about. So basically, sometimes you'll get like a male stag that'll come and like rub his horns off the thing. But according to this guy, when the woman said it could have been a stag that was banging his antlers on the side of the walls, that's maybe not what he actually heard because she kind of looked like she even didn't believe it herself when she made that as the excuse. Another story um, is told in the Scottish Mountaineering Club um, journal by a piece by this guy called Paddy Buckley, who's a famous fell runner. He describes a tale by Sid Scroggy. Some of these names are such a laugh, by the way. A mountaineer who was blinded during the Second World War, but who still managed to tramp the Scottish hills. Um, on his first visit to Ben Alder Cottage in November 1963, Sid and his companion heard a series, series, series sorry, of tappings, scratch, scratches, footsteps, and groans. The next morning, they were said to have witnessed a packet of biscuits being flung from the mantelpiece to the opposite side of the room. This said, the biscuit. <laughs> I know, I'm like, biscuits! Oh, no, the biscuits! <laughs> <laughs> this said, uh, said, 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 was a manifestation of the tension between him and the person he travelled to the bothy with. So he thought, obviously, like him fighting with his like other like co-traveler, that this may have manifested into some sort of like mm-hmm. poltergeist activity. On a later visit with his daughter Mary, another poltergeist phenomenon supposedly occurred, with the door crashing open with no explanation. 
Andy Lamb was saying nope. I know I was like I hate that shit because these are just like rooms in the middle of nowhere you, and you like no one for miles and miles around you think you're alone someplace and that happened where are you running to where are you running where to I mean? where where are you running to Andy Lamb was sitting down to sleep in one of the both in the bothy when he heard footsteps outside good people to talk to tonight that's what he heard someone say outdoors I heard the feet wander up to the front door but the door didn't open I heard the feet crunch over the frozen snow to the rear of the building I felt sure I had heard the, the door go in the storeroom but this time these footsteps but this time these footsteps I was afraid. I buried my head in my sleeping bag and hid from the danger. I must have spent a good half an hour warm but shivering before slowly inching my face out of the bag and taking a look around me. All was as it had been. No more footsteps, no doors opening or closing. A couple of candles provided a warm glow. But the fear was still with me. I wrote in my diary to take in mind, stay away from the bothy and back to the brightness of day on Ben Alder. So Ben Alder has obviously got a series of like strange happenings and like poltergeist activity and various other things. And there's the strange, no- no- strange noises of people like being there. Um, so when I was sort of researching this, there's actually quite a lot of walking forums where people who are like avid hill walkers can like share their experiences, make recommendations and what have you. Yes, I've seen them. Yeah, um, which is handy if you want to do it. But also some of the threads within um, the, some of these hill walking forums actually do cover like the spooky happenings in the Bothy. So this one was regarding, particularly re- uh, regarding Ben Alder Cottage. And this was writ by, um, written by Black Tattoo, 2018. So not so long ago. She or he writes, had the pleasure of an overnight stay in Ben, da- ben Alder Cottage. Lovely Bothy was in great condition last summer. Woke up at 2am. Loud, old-fashioned music playing in the room next door. I could hear shuffling like someone was having a party and dancing and jumping around. I headed outside for a leak, meaning a pee-pee. The room was empty. I'll never return. So there was quite a few ones like that. Um, Basically, we're... And this is on quite a few of the forums where they'd said that... Um, oh, my God. Nope, nope, nope. They had been asleep, like, at like whatever time in the morning. And this like and they were woken up by either guitar playing, music playing. But when they went to investigate, basically, there was no one there. So Ben Alder appears to have... Oh, my God. Yeah. It's got a... Like, it's, if you want to read into it, like, it was too much to cover as part of the pod, but... There is quite a bleak history of the cottage in general around about its inhabitants. Um, there's also a rumor. Mm. Yeah, there's also a rumor that the house itself was haunted by a woman who once took refuge there from a storm. She was storm stayed. Oh, <laughs> oh shit! She was storm stayed until hunger crazed her, and she killed and ate her child. She was seen. Past- oh, you're never that hungry. I know. I would never be that hungry, but this is oh, like sorry. one of the rumors. She was seen passing through Rannoch, so wild-eyed with despair that no one dared cross her path. Some said that she returned to the wastes of Rannoch, driven by remorse, and was lost in the morasses of that place. That's what I read. I was like, no way, honey, no way. So, that's... I don't think... I can't... 
imagine ever being so hungry that you eat your child yeah it's a bit despo isn't it it's like no come on love it i would just say <laughs> just just get your feet just yeah just get your seat what are you complaining about eight and a half miles is not far um cheeky to love you so that is ben elder cottage and my dad has stayed there i think a couple of times and i'm sure he's probably got some story mind you he would have told me if he'd experienced something but he did say there was a lot of things that people used to speak about with that particular bothy so let's move on to the next one so this oh my one God, there's so many like there is quite well a there's only been two but it sounds like it's so haunted we should go on a haunted bothy tour <gasps> tmpm business idea yeah we'll do it but we're going to take a camper van and not sleep in it we'll just go in it for a bit and then like go back to the car or whatever i'm not sleeping in a bothy okay. or whatever. Okay. um so another bothy which is a remote cottage and this has actually been covered in the much celebrated um podcast on canny you know danny robbins uncanny um he did a very long and very detailed um interview with the person that's happened to on his podcast and it was really super interesting um uncanny is excellent they actually have reenactments during their podcast as well so very much worth a listen to and i have to say by the way i've spoken to danny because me and my ex were actually ogs so we listened to his original original podcast before he got super well known so just saying i'm like famous or whatever (laughs) the one that he covered in his one is called lubilt um it's a remote cottage in the highlands known in scotland as a bothy as i've already mentioned um the, bo- the Bothy is now completely abandoned. So this isn't even like, people don't even use this anymore. Um, and it's kind of been left to ruins over the year. Um, so what happened there was in 1973, two young climbers planned to spend the night in an isolated Bothy. Upon arrival, this very one, upon arrival, they found it had been abandoned despite being prepared for Christmas. After bedding down for the night, they experienced a series of strange noises, including the sound of objects moving in the upstairs rooms, footsteps, and even clatter of the objects being thrown around the room in the darkness. There are also reports of strange dragging sounds coming along the gravel path and into the house. Over the years, the house has fallen into a state of disrepair. At one point, graffiti seemed to confirm the haunting with phrases like, do not sleep in this house, this house is haunted, this house is evil, scrawled across the wall. (gasps) One possible... No. One possible explanation for this haunting is the suicide of John McAlpine, a deer stalker who lived in Lowbilt. The incident was reported in the Aberdeen Weekly News on April 26, 1890. It says McAlpine went for a walk in the morning in his, his usual health, but later in the day, his wife found him hanging from a rope tied in the crossbeam. So sad times. I've actually got a quote here from Phil. He was one of the guys that's in included in unca- the uncanny episode and was one of the guys that stayed there almost the um phil says it was extremely cold and the silence was palpable it em- enveloped you what a phrase almost oh, the minute God. almost the minute we blew out our candle there were noises upstairs first they heard footsteps then noises of the bed being put together um being put together followed by what sounded like a rock from the window sill being rolled across the floor phil next recalls being awoken at 4 a.m when the living room erupted with sounds of objects including the men's ice axes being thrown 
all over the oh place in the darkness. So you oh can't no. you can't stay at Lubilt, but you can see it and visit it from the outside, but you can't sleep in it anymore. And as I said, check out that uncanny episode. It's really interesting. Mm. So another bothy. Feath, again, this is this Gaelic stuff that I'm just like, I don't care how to say this, right? It's Feath Un Bothy or Un Bothy. Please correct me, Mountain Clay. It's French. <laughs> you're like, oh. Uh, it's just before saying, you know. Um, Feath Un Bothy, better known as the Tarf Hotel. Now, I read this earlier and I was just like, why is somebody talking about a hotel? But it turns out this is what they call the Bothy. So, better known as Tarf Hotel. In the real Mamba country, miles and miles, miles of nothing, sitting at the 1,750 foot in Glen Tarth, south of Cairn of Fiddler, Fiddler, and I'm not even saying that, it's way too bad, but basically it's another mountain, right? So I couldn't find any specific stories around this, like, you know, kind of like official stuff that had been documented and whatever, mm-hmm. but there was quite a few, um, again, um, like, threads around this on the mountaineering thing so this is from sunset tripper and this was written in 2018 as well i stayed at the tarf hotel with a pal i think it was just over three years ago in november we got a fire going and drank quite a lot of whiskey and rum we were in the small room to the right as you go in the main door the one with the aa sign I was sleeping on the wooden platform nearest the window and woke up freezing cold even though the fire was still going I thought that someone um, was at the window. My pal was sleeping and I got up out of my sleeping bag. I reckon I was still a bit drunk because I needed to go outside. When I returned to the Bothy at the front door, I got an overwhelming feeling of dread. It was a feeling like I'd never had before and haven't had since. Not like the heebie-jeebies I have had on one occasion. What? Not like the heebie-jeebies I have had on the odd occasion in the past with alcohol. Anyway, I fumbled and um, fumbled my way back inside in the dark and hid in my sleeping bag until daylight, sleeping restlessly. So that was him. So he's obviously had a, a weird experience. Um, he's obviously freaked out. He sounds really freaked out. Yeah, totally freaked out. Um, Mountain Star wrote this again, and this is way back in 2010. While stopping at the Tarf Hotel... Fith Un Bothy, I don't know how to say it, on my own in August 05. So this is way back in 2005. Christ. I also had a scary night. At around 5am, I was woken by, a, by what sounded like a loud human sneeze, which came from the inside of the Bothy. I thought someone had arrived during the night and was in the next room, but I wasn't brave enough to go and have a look. <laughs> I lay still for about 10 minutes, but heard no further noise. I managed to doze off again, but was awoken again by the front door opening and banging in the wind. Again, I stayed put. Soon after that, a third noise, which was the most scary, what sounded like two heavy stones thrown very loudly against the wooden panelled walls above me. I stayed put again. Somehow I managed to get another hour or two of sleep and was glad to see the light of day but I was still freaked out and was glad to leave. Don't think I will going there on my own again. Still get a chill down my back thinking about it now. Ooh. Hey, that's so creepy. Do you know what it kind of reminded me of? You you told us a story in um, oh, up north, I can't remember where it was, where you kind of heard almost old battle sounds. 
Oh, so yeah. Well, that happened at um, Falkland Palace because that's what I'm thinking of. It's kind of it reminded me of that a little bit. That was really weird that night. Like, I'm not even joking. So, like, just to rec- just to remind everyone, um, me and my uh, ex again had we'd not long been together, and we went on um, we went on a, a thing. T- well, we went and stayed in this like it was like a, an old ruin that had been like it was literally like a ruin that had been converted into like this stunning Airbnb. And if you go to Falkland Palace, it's literally to the left-hand side of the palace. So it's right on the grounds. Now we'd had like, you know, we'd had a really nice night and went for dinner and stuff. And like, we're kind of up late watching TV and stuff. And then we went to bed. And this happened about, I would say maybe like, it must've been like four or five in the morning, maybe a wee bit earlier than that, maybe three, four in the morning. I woke up and I don't know if I'd gone to the toilet or not, but I... I swear I could I heard men like shouting and like almost like brawling outside but the weirdest thing was I heard like clinking like like, literally yeah like men shouting and like swords clinking yeah like armor like swords like and I actually um Hannah was like so sound asleep that I didn't I didn't bother waking her up and she probably would have told me to shut up anyway but it was literally like one of the like freakiest things I would say because and I woke up the next day and I said I had some really weird sounds last night by the way and she was like oh whatever but yeah that was that was strange it was like a it was definitely like a reenactment of like something yeah definitely but yeah so anyway that is the like some residual or whatever total residual um so that's the tarth hotel um i'll read a couple of other um stories and stuff and then i guess i'll come to the end of like what the the sort of more um the the freakier things that i read online earlier okay so the night before going up and this is by the way this is by r gal or r jolly or something this was written in 2019 this isn't tar hotel this is another place the night before going up mill sheen dierg my pal and I stopped off at the Quar fuck's sake, the Quar Finorach Bothy. I'm going to take Gaelic. It had been cold, misty, and with the odd snow flurry. After crossing the bridge before the Bothy, I remember feeling I remember a feeling of being followed and a presence passing me by event uh, passing me by eventually. Something passing with great urgency and no care for me, thankfully. When I got to the Bothy, I searched every room, having heard a strange creaking. Nothing, as I'm sure you expected. That night, I pulled out a bottle of whiskey and made regular trips to the nearby river to top up the water. A silhouette stood ahead of me in the middle of the water. Panicked but curious, I drunkenly stumbled forward and reached out to it. It reached back. With a crash and a splash, I fell through this eerie figure. My right arm stretched up in the air, air clutching the unfinished um, whiskey bottle upright. I pulled myself up, running, stumbling, tumbling back to the bothy. The bothy filled with smoke. My friend, in a fit of coughing, a red-eyed, I don't know what he was talking about, and red-eyed, a strange sound piercing our ears through the air, forcing us back outside. Back in we go and wide awake not daring to shut our eyes. The next thing I knew, it was morning. We set off for the hill, rather unsettled that day. Wow. I don't get that I pulled myself up. My friend, in a fit of coughing, a red-eyed. 
Is that like an expression or something? No, not for normal people. Anyway, thank God I couldn't pronounce that because no one will know where to go now. <laughs> so <laughs> we're not going there. <laughs> they're going to like board off customers for people. <laughs> and this is my final story that I read from the Soldier of Fortune from the same forum. And this was back in 2018. Stayed in the Bothy at the head of Loch Archaig half a century ago. Arrived late at night. Half a century ago. Arrived late at night and bedded down only to be woken later by footsteps and voices that went on for a couple of minutes and then silence. We woke up at seven the next morning to the voices and steps again and then nothing strange. So that's the stories that you get. So there seems to be like a consistency of like weird sounds. Definitely. And yeah, they're all pretty similar, the stories. They're definitely all pretty similar. I know you won't catch me bloody staying in one of those fucking bothies. There was unless, a- unless we do the camper van <laughs> and stay in one. Unless we stay in a camper van, unless or we get a hotel, we get a, t- a cab out to the bothy and then go back again. But that's the thing about these bothies. There's an Uber it. Yeah, Uber it. They're so remote. Like I was watching this video on YouTube earlier of someone trying to get to a bothy, and it was literally like they walk, they biked, then they had to abandon their bikes because it was so like bothy, like it was so boggy, sorry. And they're like trying to get to the bothy. They're like right in the middle of nowhere. So the occasions where someone has gone out there and slept solo and then heard noises, like that guy with the sneeze and stuff, would you not shit yourself? I would be like, fuck this, I'm going. The thing is, you're in such a remote part. You can't just like get out and run somewhere because you'll get lost. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely, just... it makes it so much scarier. It's so scary. Um, Where so are you like... going to go? Like, if you've if you've had to like abort mission with your own bike, where are you going? Like, how are you getting out? I have no idea. That's why I would never. Why go... not turn it to Meredith Marks when I'm talking like that? Where are you going to go? Where are you going? Um. I don't know, but like my dad is, I mean, I'm sure he's gone hill walking himself. I don't think he stayed in a bothy by himself, but like even the fact that that guy had said he felt someone walking behind him as well when he was walking. It's yeah, like, that's, oh, the sneeze one was the one that creeped me out a lot. Like the thought. That was the best one. Somewhere not expecting anyone to be there and just hearing somebody sneeze. Mm. By the way, there's so. Nope. There's so many forums on this. I'll, what I'll do is, as part of this episode, I'll link like all the resources like in the show notes, so you can read about the bothies as well as like you know the mountain ranges that people can go to and stuff like that. But I personally think that that place was haunted, and all those places were haunted. Yeah, agreed. Is this place haunted? Yeah, one hundred percent is. Now, is a little special because I knew this was going to be a shorter episode this week. 100%. I have actually got a listener tale. So, Bothies. Haunted? Mm-hmm. Haunted much? <laughs> haunted. Do you want to say a haunted with those friends? By the way, there's no chance you'd get me... No way would I be staying in a fucking... No. Nope. No fucking way. Anyway. Well, so- if somebody paid me, I would probably... Like a million pounds. Yeah, like for a million pounds, I'd do it. Would you stay in that Ben Alder one, though? Andrew. Yeah, for a million for a million quid shit yeah i'd probably say it for a million quid as well let's <laughs> let's, let's pitch it to the bbc okay, well, yeah. haunted bothy for a million quid <laughs> and they'll just like live de- they'll like cover it in like deer scent or whatever and all these deers will just come up. anyway right <laughs> so, 
this week I thought as a part of a little bonus um, and actually because someone took time to do it um, we've got a listener tale that's been provided by my dad's partner Mo um, thank you Mo thanks so basically um, I'll read it out to you um, there's a little bit of kind of I think she's got I think she mentioned I mentioned before that she told me there was a bit of sort of like weird psychic stuff in her family in the past um so this kind of makes sense that she would have this type of experience I was reading it and I was pretty shocked that this happened and it had come up in conversation before (laughs) so let's just start off reading the the tale have you ever noticed it around her at all like no no and, and you know I I am proper like and I think I am a bit psychic because like or I've got like an I've definitely got a sense right because remember last week I was telling you that something happened to my friend and then I had that really weird feeling and I messaged her and all these other things and I was like some things that I thought about before I messaged her there's no way I would have known like so I'm a bit like that's weird definitely intuitive I think we both are I think we get feelings You've seen a lot more than I have, I would say. Mm. I've definitely felt a lot. Or, like, I tend to have premonition dreams. Do you? Yeah. Or, like, yeah, I knew when my sister was pregnant. Like, I knew it ended up being the day they conceived that I was like, you're pregnant. Oh, my God. And then I was like, it's a girl. And they were like, it's definitely a boy. Like, it's so long. It's definitely a boy. And I was like, it's a girl. And then... Look at me, I'm an anti-to Eve. That's so strange. So we're yeah. both psychic, yes. So well, me, you and Mo could form an alliance. We could be like atomic kitten psychic version. My God, we so could. I've not even checked the lottery this week. I like psychically picked the numbers this week. I was actually thinking, because remember when I went to that psychic woman in Whitburn and she was literally like, I went into her house and I literally could see like weird shapes like I could see like weird like things moving around the room and stuff and I kept saying to her I was like I was like I was like oh my god there's like loads of things floating around you can you see that and she was literally like oh my god you've got the gift as well (laughs) and I was like (laughs) they are indeed anyway so this is called very gracefully written wintering hum hall so I'll start I had just turned 21 in the late 1970s. I'd finished my degree in home economics and was looking for a new career away from home, my, my hometown of Edinburgh. I don't think she's from Edinburgh, but um, I appreciate that's why I tell people. <laughs> she's actually from West <laughs> um, But fair play. I had been offered a job as a cook with, years, with a year's contract in a place called Witteringham Hall near Cambridge. It was a small finishing school for wealthy American students, and I was to be chief, or I don't know if it was chief or chef, but I'll say chief, and only cook to 15 of them <laughs> in the family who ran this venture. Sorry, I'm correcting it as I go along. I'm like, I don't believe this. I think this that, like, flatly... picture her walking around like I'm the kahuna, bitches. <laughs> I am the kahuna, yeah. I left Edinburgh Waverley on a bright early autumn morning with two bags and my trademark optimism. I arrived in Cambridge Station to a deep fog and a slight sense of unease had descended. I managed to get a taxi to take me to Witteringham, to Witteringham. After I had explained that it was out in the countryside but possibly only a 20 minute drive. 
As we left the lights of Cambridge, the, the intense dark of the cloudy autumn evening combined with the fog made oncoming vehicles and sudden spheres of rapidly approaching spheres of rapidly approaching then disappearing light look like ghostly apparitions. So she's building an atmosphere here. As we turned up at the long tree-lined driveway, driveway with wayward branches flicking the windows of the taxi as we followed the semicircle of the driveway to the front door. The driver deposited my bags at the bottom of the stone staircase. This is like a film or whatever. Took his agreed fare and I heard the rumble of the tyres on the gravel as he swiftly took his leave. The only option was to ascend the steep staircase and as, a lar- and as large doors loomed out of the dark, I could see the brass knocker required to be used to announce my arrival. It was a sprite, it was a sprite with a rope between his teeth. I wasn't sure if the expression was a grin or a growl, but in the absence of a bell, I had to grab the metal rope and knock. The knock seemed to echo for ages, and in the dark and fog, I have to confess that at that moment, I was beginning to think that a job in a, in a, bright, a brightly lit cafe on Princess Street might have been the better option. Eventually, I heard the clip-clop of efficient-sounding footsteps on what I assumed to be a tiled floor. The door was flung open and light flooded into the dark foggy night. A plump, jolly-looking lady said, You must be Cookie. I'll do it in an English accent. You must be Cookie. <laughs> my mood suddenly lifted and I agreed that I was, I was, and from then on, my name seemingly became Cookie. Um, this was a throwback to the to the time when landed gentry were able to call their servants by their occupation, not their birth name. And it seems some landed gentry in the nineteen seventies hadn't been informed that this was not now not politically correct. However, she was friendly and welcoming, and I and I was ushered in to meet her husband, who was in charge of things. He was delighted delighted that Cookie had arrived as his poor wife was rushed off her feet, having to fulfil this role, as well as everything else for their 15 teenaged American students. I would fucking love to stay here, by the way. Let me just say that right now. As a teenager, can you imagine me? He was the seer, <laughs> not the doer, around the place. My eyes were only just, just adjusting to the bright, warm lights when I returned to the damp, foggy night to settle in to my new living quarters. My accommodation was to be one of the converted outhouses in the grounds of their estate home, now a finishing school. On entering the low stone building, the fluorescent tubes flickered into life and revealed a small but well-appointed one living space with a separate bedroom. The uneven floor was covered with a mottled brown foamy carpet and the obviously original sandstone was painted cream distemper, now flaking in the, in da- in the damp areas. Despite the oil heater on a low peep, the room was still very cheeky, chilly, <laughs> cheeky, chilly. With instruction to be in the school's kitchen room at 6.30, ready to make breakfast for everyone, I was left to settle in. My sense of foreboding returned as I unpacked my clothes and hung them on the rail in the bedroom, and which was against the newly formed partition wall and flimsy door, forming the barrier between the living and the sleeping area. On the back wall, there was a small window with a light Muslim curtain, which rippled with a draught blowing through the ill-fitted glass. The rest of the room had the same yellowing distemper on the top on the rough stone walls. An eerie silence had descended on my new apartment, and the stark lighting was uncomfortable on my now weedy eyes. With an early start, 
Wrapping up warm and climbing into bed seemed the best and my only option. I set my new digital clock um, to 6am. And as I flicked off the small bedside light, I was enveloped by the dark and silence. I must have fallen asleep very quickly, as the next thing I was aware of was the glowing of the red digits on my digital alarm clock, 5.59. It had been set for 6am, so I had a full minute before I had to get up. Despite it being early autumn and the transparent window covering unable to prevent light getting in, it was still pitch black in the room. I thought I would put my bedside light on, only to realise I was unable to move. Panic gripped me. I thought that perhaps I'd had a stroke during the night and become paralysed. I could not move a muscle. Just then, I heard footsteps coming through my front door. My sense of relief at being found was short-lived. The room remained in total darkness and the footsteps continued to approach right through the wall. I then realised that the footsteps should have been muffled by a carpet, but they were clip-clopping as if on stone floor. There was then a long sigh, as if some wearied person was having to perform some regular but tiresome task. I willed my arms and legs to move, but all I could do was see the glaring red number of my clock showing 5.59. I could hear my heart pounding, as the next unfamiliar sound was that of a tap being turned on, full, and rushing water hitting a hard surface. The sighing turned to be more of grunting, as if someone was putting an effort into rubbing or scrubbing. The complete blackness and paralysis of my body made it impossible to see anything, and only intensified by remaining by remaining sense of hearing. Just as the sighing and grunting stopped, a lighter, regular tip-tapping on the ground floor came towards me, like an animal trotting around and exploring new scents. The sound stopped at the end of my bed, a deeper sniffing sound accompanied by a slow tip-tapping as it moved up the side of the bed and stopped parallel to my immobile body. My paralysis had now become terror as I felt the warm breath of whatever was getting closer and closer to my face. Just as I thought my life was about to end, the clock suddenly flicked to 6am or 6.00 and grey light filtered into the room through the small window. I was, una- I was able to move and the room was empty. My heart was still pounding <clears throat> as I leapt out of bed and dressed very quickly and rushed over to the big house. My pale face and shocked expression obviously revealed to my new employer that not all was well with me. When asked what was the matter, I blurted out the terrifying experience of my recent paralysis and invisible intruders. Ah, she said slowly, that will be the old washer lady and her dog. She explained that when they bought the house, my accommodation used to be the wash house for the main house. The old lady had died in there one morning whilst doing the laundry and had been found by her dog, who had then alerted the owners to her passing. Apparently, where I heard the water rushing is where they removed the old sink and tap, and of course the floor underneath the carpet is cobbled stones. I oh. stayed. I know. I stayed in the outhouse for another year whilst I worked as cookie for the school, but never had another visit from the old lady and her dog. Wow. Oh my God. That is so creepy. I know that's a freaky one, eh? I was like proper like, oh, that one under wraps or whatever. 
She's actually got a, another really good one about an old, an old lady that was like basically dead when she spoke to her or whatever. But shit, we'll need to have a sister session soon. Because I've got a couple of stories from work as well, so we'll definitely do that. But no, that is oh, that is so creepy. That's a spooky story. So thank you so much for writing that out for us. Okay, Mo. Mo. I really appreciate it. It was really well written. Like she should literally be an author or a director of a movie. Or a director of a movie. But yeah, thank you. That was a spooky one. So um thank you for the episode, Lauren. I really enjoyed that. It was very informative. I know, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I think Peggy did too. Look at her there. She just Pussy pussy. So cute. Look at her. Oh my god. Look at her. She's just like literally perfect. She's the most perfect cat I've ever seen. Um she's the hashtag no filter in real life. She has literally a hashtag no filter pussy cat. Mm-hmm. Suppose marmalade though. Marmalade's like a yeah, female Um but yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed this episode. I'm sorry if some of the reading was a little bit sloppy, but some of the writing, like on the actual stories themselves, were a bit hard to. Oh, not at all, babes. You can't, it's hard to correct as you go. Also, it's really hard to read. <laughs> but um, I still like it. And I still like it. Look, what I'm reading just now. This is a shout out to my friend Jennifer who bought me this book, but it's called. Um, it's by Malcolm Gaskell and it's called The Ruin of All Witches Life and Death in the New World and I would highly Ooh. recommend it I'm really enjoying it so far I'm trying to learn how to read again fantastic <laughs> you're like but, starting with a vowel I know but thank you for everyone who tuned in this week I hope you enjoyed it and please do not venture to any of those said bothies alone without torches nope. if you're going to venture Oh my god, I'm yawning in mid podcast. That's so bad. But so if you're gonna venture anywhere, venture to patreon.com slash is this place something? <laughs> venture there. Every little helps. And also we're gonna be getting some cracking content up there very soon. So love yous. Love yous forever. Thanks for listening. Thanks for Sorry listening. about my brain. <laughs> Me too. Tune in next week. See you later. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.